0: I hope everybody's having a good day today. I'm not having a good day today. I know, you should feel bad for me. I'm having a feeling old day today. And there are two good reasons for this. Number one, I'm old. Um, Those of you who are freshmen in the audience today, those of you who are high school seniors, sad fact of the reality of my life is I am exactly twice as old as you. I've lived... Twice as much life as you. And, you know, people ask me, like, when they see me, they're like, Hey, I mean, you work at a college. That must be great. It must help you, like, really tap into your youth and feel young. And I'm like, no, it's the opposite. I sit down at at lunch, you know, with these students, and I look at their plate, and I'm like, wow, you could eat three hamburgers and a a plate full of fries and not gain any weight? You're a horrible human being. And, like... (laughs) I get out there and I used to play intramural basketball here, and I don't do that anymore because I'd always get like, you know, at 6'2, 180 pounds, I get put up against these offensive linemen and they take me down to the post and absolutely demolish me, and I'd have to go home and get stitches and whatnot. And so, like, there's this sense in which every day I'm reminded of my own mortality and I consider becoming the chaplain at the Presbyterian Manor Nursing Home because then I would feel young. <laughs> And I could have days, more days, where I feel good about myself. In addition to feeling old, um, I was also feeling a little too ambitious yesterday. And I overextended myself physically. The sad truth of the matter is that in Kansas, there are exactly three days a year where it's pleasant to be outside, where it's not too hot and it's not too cold, and there are no bugs that will eat you one leg at a time. And um, so I was like, wow, I've got this 33% of my good days. I better make good use of this. And with spring coming up in the next couple of months, I decided to get out in the yard and do some work. The thing about doing yard work at this time of year is you're really preparing your yard to grow because the yard doesn't look great. There's nothing you can do to make your yard like instantly snap out of it and turn green again. And so I spent the day pruning trees, I spent the day raking dead grass out from amidst the live grass. I spent the day um, pulling up old plants that we had not taken out of our garden and, and, and piling them up. And in fact, I made like four or five huge piles at my house. I brought a picture of one of the piles um, that we made, and I put a small child in front of the pile, just for reference. But like, those are all over my house right now until I can get someone to come take them away. And, and that, was, that was too much. That was too much for one day, and so I've been walking around feeling sore. But it was, it was a necessary task that had to be done. It, it just had to be done. Because the thing about a yard is is a yard, and specifically our yard, has two purposes for existence. One is to look good. Like, certainly it would be a lot easier if we just burned the whole thing down and brought in a bunch of gravel and told our kids, like, just go play in the rocks or whatever. That would be a lot easier. But, you know, in the interest of, of, of uh, civic responsibility, People feeling good about the neighborhood. We have shrubs and plants and grasses and trees because we want people to have pride in Sterling, Kansas. So we got to keep it looking good. That's part of the, the purpose of having a yard. The second purpose, especially at our house, is to provide food for us. My wife has an herb garden with oregano and rosemary and various kinds of, of mints. She plants tomatoes and, and watermelon and corn and potatoes and onions this year, asparagus, perhaps some lettuce, some baby bok choy, a lot of different things. And whatever else, each of my three kids gets to pick one thing to put in the garden every year. So there's always one random thing. Last year it was 11 feet tall sunflowers. If you ever want one of those, come see me in the summer and you can have one for free. They were very abundant. Um, and so our, our our garden is to sustain us and to give us things to eat. If we don't clear out the things that are unproductive, the things that are dead every year, then then, then our, our house won't look good, our yard won't look good anymore, and, and there won't be room in the garden for new things to grow, for new things to flourish, and all of this effort and all of this work that we've taken into setting things up will be for naught because this area that we have put a ton ton of time and intention into will simply be overgrown with death, and life will be choked out. This notion of having to to prune things back, to throw away what is dead so that things that are new can come and grow, that's something that's very familiar for planting uh, people, for people who have worked in yards or gardens or, or, or on farms, there was a time when, when pretty much everybody had this agrarian mindset and where they knew how the world worked in terms of things growing in the ground. That's not so much anymore. It's hit or miss as to whether or not we, we really understand that. In the time when Paul wrote the book of Romans... The time after Jesus walked the earth, though, pretty much everybody knew that kind of stuff. For them, how to grow things, how to grow plants was something everyone knew that, like, for us, how to look things up on YouTube or start a microwave was something that that we all know how to do. Probably not long-term as a a good of a thing to be able to master, but that's just where we are at, at this point in history. Paul speaks to this idea of death and of growth and of life and of renewal as he is talking specifically to the Jewish people and to the Gentile people in Romans chapter 11. In Romans chapter 11, as is, is Paul is working on dealing with these two populations of people as to who is or, or may not at this point in time be part of the kingdom of God, he says this beginning in verse 13. He says, "'Now I'm speaking to you Gentiles.'" Paul's been talking for a while, so we have to do a little bit of catch-up to get where he is at. Specifically, what Paul wants people to, to realize or to understand right here is, look, Gentiles, you are being invited to do something that you have not been invited in mass to do before, and that is to become part of the kingdom of God. You are being invited into the family of God, but this story has been going on for a long time. This is a story that began in the beginning of the Hebrew Scriptures with the Jewish people with the very creation of the world. At that point in time, God created a, a race, this, this people, and He said, "You are to bring glory to my name." And then the story progressed, and there were ways in which the Jewish people were established and, and maintained to bring glory to the name of God. And then something happened where in their hearts their, their faith became weak, and, and they continued some practices, but they were going through the motions. And so what God did, the, the overall plan of God It was not squashed out, it was not thwarted, but it was tweaked. And so as God had worked through the Jewish people for a long time, then this apostle Paul comes along, he himself being Jewish, he himself experiencing this really amazing conversion that you should read about in the book of Acts if you ever get the chance. And God says to him, you are going to go, and you are going to go work amongst the non-Jewish people. And you're going to teach them how to worship me. You're going to teach them how to love me. You're going to teach them my stories. They are going to be a part of what we are doing here and making sure that all people across the world know that they were created by and loved by the God who created all things. And so as Paul is speaking to them about this, there's this invitation from Paul to say, look, come do this thing. It's a new thing, but it's not a new thing. You see, it's not a fad. It's not something that's just been randomly invented. No, it's something that has been thought through. There is is purpose here, and you are getting connected to a strong root system, just as the people who are, who are Jewish nowadays, who are still believers, and he admits that there aren't many of them. In fact, that when he goes to the Gentiles, he talks about what God is doing amongst the Gentiles and the faith that the Gentiles have, that maybe the Jews might be woken up, that maybe they might snap out of it, that maybe they might wake from their malaise and become passionate again. Paul is saying, look, I'm bringing you into this thing that has a strong root system. And You might, from your vantage point, be able to see the entirety of the root system, but this is something that is stable. This is something that is strong. This is something that is longstanding. And if you join into this thing, you are coming into something that has been Established. He goes on and talks about, but if some of the branches of this thing that have been established, if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off So that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. Paul is talking about something that actually happened. Back in the day when he was alive, with, with these olive trees as they would be cultivated, there would be times where they would cut off dead portions of the olive tree, dead branches of the olive tree. They would find branches that were living and they would take clay and they would mold that clay around those, those live branches So the olive trees that had good roots could continue to grow and could continue to flourish. They would not be uneven and perhaps tip over, but so that they could continue to produce good fruit. Now, you usually wouldn't take a wild olive branch and graft it into an olive branch that was in an orchard. In fact, Paul talks about this a little later and says, well, you know, God made the rules so God can sometimes break the rules. God can sometimes do miracles. God can sometimes do things that are extraordinary that we would not necessarily see in everyday way, shape, or form in our lives to remind us that God is indeed God. However, this is something, in theory, that Paul would have seen happen before, that a branch that had been dead would be broken off and a live branch would be put in its place so that that tree could flourish, so that tree could fulfill its purpose, so that tree could do its job. And Paul's saying here, look, I've already told you, you are being invited to come into something that was already going. You don't have to build it from the ground up. This idea of God working in the world is something that God has been doing for thousands of years. And quite frankly, God has done it very effectively. And now as you are invited into this thing, come into this thing, but do so with an air of humility. You as new Christ followers, you as people who this opportunity is being opened up for, don't don't hate on those people that have come before you. Sure, they may have, have fallen away. Their ways may have gotten a bit old or antiquated. Their faith may not have stayed strong, but they laid a foundation for you. They showed you how to do things. They passed on the stories. They were pioneers. And when this was a new thing, they're the ones that ran through the walls for you so you could walk these clear paths today. And he says, as you are coming into your purpose and as you're hearing what that is, as you are accepting that, as you are growing in faith, as you are bringing glory to the name of God, this is not something that, 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 should, that should puff you up. This is not something that should make you arrogant. No, this is something that should make you humble. This is something that should make you humble because you are the next brick in a path that has led up to this point. You are you are the next branch on a tree, and you might be the one right now that, that's getting all the sun and bearing all the fruit, but this would not have been possible for you today if it wasn't for the men and women of faith who would come before you if it wasn't for the people who wrote the books of Scripture, if it wasn't for the people who had gone to the far reaches of the earth, if it wasn't for the people who had served, if it wasn't for God himself who came down and took human form, who lived among you, who died for you. This thing that you are being invited into, it is great, but it is not your full achievement and when you come into the family of God people might might slap you on the back and say welcome and they might say great and they might say come let's go do this thing let's get up to speed but this is something that is calling you to understand your place in history to remain humble and to take on that heart of a servant so do not become proud but fear fear God For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note the kindness and the severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off, and even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again, for if you were cut From what is by nature a wild olive tree, engrafted, contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Those verses that, that came before this section, those were a word of hope for those of us who may not before have considered ourselves to have the opportunity to be a part of God's family. Those of us who may have been looking at our own lives and saying, you know what, I mean, they, they keep saying I'm welcome, but, but that's probably not for me. They're probably not talking about me. I don't know if God could, could let me in. And what Paul is saying is, no, no, God says you can't come in. It's okay. The, the work has already been done. Now, this next section is for those of us who may at one point in time have been a part of this family of God and decided for whatever reason to walk away. Because doubt enticed us, or sin enticed us, or the world crushed our spirit, or for a period of time we were going through things that wiped out any and every hope that we may have had that there was goodness in this world. That the God who created all of this is indeed a good and beautiful God. And Paul's saying, look, you know what? God has already shown that he can take a cultivated olive tree, graft in something else that's wild, that's been uncultivated, and do that miracle and do that good thing. But you know what else God can do that's amazing? God can take something that was alive and then died, and God can make it flourish again. And that can be a very beautiful thing as well. And you know what? I think for young adults, this is a very important thing to hear. Because I think for all of us, at some point in our lives, we go through a crisis of faith. And we in the church maybe need to be a little more open and a little bit more honest with each other, especially our young people, to say, okay, this crisis of faith, like like, that is an actual thing, and it's understandable, and it's somewhat normal, but it is something that you can come through. It's something that you can come through. It's something that God has put people in your life to help guide you through to be your cheerleader to be your anchor to help you not drift too far away but even if you feel like you've drifted so far away that there is no life left in you that you have completely turned your back on any commitment that you have made to Jesus Christ that God is still calling you back That God is still calling you back. And you may feel like your, your stick, your branch of the tree in the family of God has been broken off, snapped in half, thrown into a fire, turned into kindling, been burned up, ashed up, blown away in the wind. That is not too much for God to bring wholeness back to. Not only can God put it back together, but God can make that thing achieve its purpose once again. God can make it flourish once again. God can make that branch that has been completely and utterly crushed and destroyed once again bear fruit. That yes, there's a sternness to God. That God knows that within the family, that this is a place where life must be allowed to flourish. And sometimes that means that those dead elements must be cast off, but, but, but it's possible that they may only be cast off for a while. That if you look at your own story, there can be an amazing testimony of, yes, I was found and then I was lost, but then I got found again. And so the word of hope then for some of us is that it's not too late. And that God is a God of redemption. That God is a God of of second chances. That God is a God of story and testimony. And God can bring life into your dead story And make it powerful. As we sit here today together as as a community, I think this is an opportunity for us to be introspective. You know, college, I think a lot of people consider college as a place to come to get answers. But I think that a lot of times, college is the place to go to, to ask the right questions. And today, the right question for us is, what fruit is my life bearing? What fruit is my life bearing and we may be in a place in life where we sit and we look at things and we're like, man, you know what? My life is bearing a lot of fruit and I didn't even realize it. But God has been working through the faithful around me and been working through through my faith. And man, glory, like, glory be to God for doing that because I know that I could not have done that on my own. Or we may sit back in this time of contemplation and, and ask that question, what fruit is my life bearing? And we might realize, wow, my, my life isn't bearing a lot of fruit at all. Or it's bearing fruit, but it's bearing fruit that, 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 that is rotten, that is stanking up the joint. Or it might be like, man, you know, I was once bearing a lot of fruit, but now I just feel really dry and really withered and really dead because I've gone so far away from that tree of goodness that God at one point in time had grafted me into. And wherever we are at today, wherever we are at today, we have a reminder here in the book of Romans to turn our eyes to Jesus, to humble ourselves before the God who is a stern God, but who is also a kind God, to take on those character traits of God into our own lives and to allow God, to allow God to put us where we need to be, to graft us into the tree where we need to be so that we can be a part of the things that God is a part of so that we can be about the intentions and the purposes of God so that we can do the things that God has created us to do because we will find just like the residential yard, just like the olive tree that God has indeed created us for two purposes. Number one, to to, to be beautiful and to give people pride and to draw people in, not necessarily to us or not necessarily to physical property, but to draw people in to the narrative that God has been authoring since the very beginning of history. But then also to be productive, to be life in this world, to be light in this world, to make it so that things in this world can be sustained. Let us be life Let us be light. Let us be sustenance. Let us be beautiful. Let us be humble enough to allow God to take us and put us where he wants us to be so that he can use us according to his purposes. These guys are going to come up, and and as they do and as we continue in worship today, let's just take the time to ask the question, God, what fruit am I producing right now? What does that mean about where I'm at in regard to where you would have me be? And what would it look like if I yielded my life to you? How would you make me life and light and beauty for others to enjoy?